live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicles. I'm Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Papus. We met in an office and discovered that despite each of us consistently voting for different political parties, we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree, find the middle on issues? I don't give up my values when I compromise, and neither does Sam. But we know that compromise serves our kids better than what we see in the current political atmosphere. We had a successful radio show, then the Chinese bought the station, but we got with the times and now we have a podcast. So sit back and listen. Today we cover the caucusing disaster in Iowa. A Democratic legend is vocally upset about the Democrats' messaging woes, and a kid does a pretty brave thing, but, but should he have? Let's get to it, Norm. Issue number one. Issue number one, Iowa Democratic leadership hits the proverbial iceberg. So around 1115 on Thursday, three days after the Iowa caucuses, Democratic National Chairperson Tom Perez tweeted the following, enough is enough. In light of the problems that have emerged in the implementation of the delegate selection plan and in order to assure public confidence in the results, I am calling on the Iowa Democratic Party to immediately begin a re-canvas. Okay, that was his tweet. Sam, I, I don't mean to beat up on the Democratic Party. They've done many fine things for our nation, but right now it looks like they can't even count. I mean, the memes are really funny that are running out there. And they've gifted the Republicans a credible talking point. Um, you know, basically, the Republicans are saying, how can you trust the Democrats to run a national health care system when they can't even count the votes in Iowa? I uh, cannot rebut anything that you said at, up to that point, uh, up to this point, because uh, I equally am uh, disappointed that they were not, were not better prepared. Uh, this is another reason that I thought that, say the I word, impeachment was a distraction. They could have been focused on making sure things went right in Iowa, but it was, it was a nightmare. I mean, it's still a nightmare. Uh, and now they're talking about, you know, do they really want to recount? Because if if uh, Bernie jumps over Buttigieg and then that there'll be a problem there, that's no benefit for Biden. He's not going to go up. He doesn't want him to recount. Uh, Buttigieg doesn't want him to recount because he wants to keep his point one percent advantage. Uh, Bernie's saying he won, even though he's at a lower percentage. Bernie won the popular vote, but didn't get the electoral votes. You can't make it up. It's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think this in, in this meet in the middle uh, kind of platform, I think we, we all sides can agree that this was a disaster. But it, you know, it brings up something that a lot of people have been saying. First of all, I don't think I think the caucuses are going to go away now. I think Iowa's not going to be first anymore. But it brings something up, and that is a, a lot of people believe that this slow roll of who is going to be the presidential candidates um, is getting a lot of pushback. People want a lot more compression in the results. In other words, you start with Iowa and you're not through to what, June or July, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, who the who your nominee is. I mean, the the, the Barack Obama 
Hillary Clinton back in 2008 is a really good example. But don't you think that these things should be compressed maybe into 30 days where all 50 states have to primary within one month or 30 days or a more compressed schedule? Yeah, 30 days seem kind of short, but uh, maybe 60 days or... uh Definitely shorter though. This is this goes on far too long. Too many candidates. Uh, too much money being spent on just ridiculous. Uh, uh, Tom Sawyer, a Steyer, or I don't even know his last name. The oh. other billionaire that's running outside. Oh, Steyer, Steyer. Yeah. So uh, he's running new commercials. He's not gonna win. And you know the money that they're spending on um, failed campaigns could have been used in communities to do other things and you know we can always argue that uh, what's the best use of those, those dollars but I mean just to uh, just continue campaigning when there's no chance that you are going to win uh, is just ridiculous to me and why spend so much money uh, on, a, on a failed campaign I mm-hmm. mean the money in the, in the politics is another problem yeah. so all of this who, who, who benefits from all of this for three four months the, news, me, the, the media. The media. The media. They love this. Yeah. And, and wh- where is all that money being funneled back into the advertising? I mean, the, it's, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and and we, have to, we have to do better as a society. Uh, I don't think it's fair that any uh, billionaire should be able uh, to just buy an election with their influence. Well, that goes back to the... Uh, Bloomberg essentially has bought himself onto the next debate stage. Absolutely. Shocking. That, Shocking. It, it's, they kick off. Who are the. Kamala the, Harris. Kamala Harris. Corey Booker. Booker uh, Cruz. The. Uh, not Cruz. Uh, uh, from the, San Antonio. Uh, yes. Castro. Castro. They kick off the minority candidates, and the rich white guy gets to buy himself on the stage. I Welcome mean, to the oh. new Democratic Party. <laughs> so, uh. so that's problematic for, for several reasons. Um, I know that Duvall is uh, getting in now. He's uh, out now. Did he step out this he morning? He stepped out. He stepped out yesterday. Well, he was on last night. He had an hour special on CNN. Duvall? The Patrick go- Duvall? The governor? I may be misinformed. I yeah. swore I thought something. But you know, uh, he, had, he had a town hall last night. C, uh, CNN had uh, Buttigieg, uh, uh, Duvall, uh, I think Bernie, and uh, the other senator. The Warren? Not, not Warren. Warren was... Uh, Klobuchar? Was Klobuchar, yeah. So they were all on last night. They had four on Wednesday and four on Thursday. I'm going to have to watch that again. Yeah. Hey, truthfully, I think Klobuchar deserves a strong look by Democrats. Yeah, I mean, she was right there even almost with uh, Biden mm-hmm. uh, for uh, – she was in fifth place So uh, in Iowa. But the, the Iowa just you, – if you had an Etch-A-Sketch, this is when you just shake it and start over. That's a really good uh, metaphor. Love that metaphor. All right, let's get to the next one. James Carvile makes a plea to the Democrats – Please become relevant. So let Sanders out nominee. Uh, you know what's going to change? Nothing. Bernie Sanders, president, Mitch McConnell's majority leader, the Republican control of federal courts. Come on, people. We got to have a big election here. We got to take the Senate back and we should be able to do it. But we got to get relevant. And these candidates have got to develop 
some skill. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't criticize other people, other consultants, but some of this stuff they come up with is like insane. I don't know who thinks of this stuff. We had the highest turnout in 2018 since women were granted the right to vote. We had the biggest margin. We ran a smart campaign and it worked. It mm -hmm. matters who the candidate is. It matters what a party chooses to talk about. And we got to get, get, let's get relevant here, people, for sure. The, the, the press corps went AOC crazy. And we got to decide what we want to be. Do we want to be an ideological cult or do we want to have a majoritarian instinct to be a majority party? And, and, and the urban core is not going to get it done. What we need is power. You understand? That's what this is about. Without power, you have nothing. You just have talking points. That was an abbreviated clip of an interview Carville did on MSNBC. James Carville was the Clinton campaign manager back in 1992 and is credited with one of the most iconic campaign messages ever developed. It's the economy, stupid. Carville is no lightweight and he is echoing what many others are saying, that the Democrats need some voter messaging to the voters that is relevant. He uses that term twice in the interview and pointedly makes the claim that the press has gone AOC crazy. Uh, when I first saw this interview, I was, uh, I hit the love button immediately. He was on point about, uh, you know, controlling the message or getting a message that people can relate to. Democrats just aren't relevant. And again, going back to the our, our debacle, debacle, it was, it was embarrassing. Uh, what what are you going to do? What what are you going to give people to say yes to? What's your platform that you're going to give people to say yes to? Democrats hadn't figured that out yet. I think more energy should have been spent trying to find a candidate and a message that would resonate with the people that would make a difference in their lives. Besides, we hate Trump. When you go to the MSNBC clip of this, and we did abbreviate it a lot because we wanted to get as much of him talking as, as possible. When you go to the MSNBC clip about this, you get the distinct feeling that he wants to reach into some of these campaigns, grab the campaign consultants, and strangle them. Yeah. Uh, he said, I believe he said he's 75, uh, but you know he's, he's speaking up because this is important. So I guess he's... Uh, retired and not really looking to go back but i was thinking if i was uh running a campaign now i would have been calling him immediately and saying hey come in here shake it up uh let's get it going he beat and i always go back to this for people that you know that people that can't say trump can't be beat because look at the economy well george bush in 1991 you know was coming off the gulf war everything was rosy nobody None of the big premier Democrats were going against him because they thought George H.W. Bush was a shoe-in for re-election. Clinton came along, Carville came along, they focused the message on the one place that there was a a chink in the armor in H.W. Bush, and that was the that the that the economy had pulled back. I think it I think it was a recession, not a big recession, but it, it had dipped, and they hammered that one point home. If you were talking about anything they brought the message back to it's the economy stupid every single time every single question and when he says the press has gone aoc crazy 
he is basically saying that the messaging is coming through the loudest people in the Democratic Party, not necessarily the the candidates for president who themselves have failed to create a, a synchronized single message that could address some of Trump's weakest points. Now, I'm not I don't know what those would be. I'm sure he would come up with some, but they haven't. And and he shows some real frustration here. Yeah. And whether you like it or not, President Trump is excellent at hammering into those weaknesses. So, you know, when he starts talking about socialism and he starts talking about the far left, he stays on message and his audience picks it up and it's repeated, whether it's true or not, but he stays on message and he's able to make his point. So the Democrats got to get a message, that's I, something that people can relate to, something that's relevant, not just not just talking points that he he, he uh, mentioned in that interview that, you know, if you don't have power, the other thing that he talked about is that 18 percent of the population elects uh, 52 senators. And I hadn't really drilled down in the numbers, but I think uh, Wyoming has 600,000 people less. Yeah, it was 573. I, so, being the geek I am, I actually went and downloaded this on an Excel spreadsheet. It's actually under 17 percent. Under seventeen yeah. percent controls. It's, it's like sixteen point six percent of the total population. Of the not total population. population. So, yeah. so when you think about that, uh, Wyoming has two senators. California has two senators. Mm -hmm. California has almost forty million people. Um, I don't know when we need to make a change, but I don't think when the Constitution and and these guidelines were set up that they ever thought about okay. the populations at these levels or people coming in. What's the right answer? I don't know, but that that's why you have a convention and you discuss these issues. Well, let me let me get to one thing that I saw on the internet that I thought was a, a really good point. On the internet? Yes. Well, somebody had an opinion they were providing on a post. It wasn't yeah. a meme. They, they were making an observation. It had to be true. It was on the internet. Well, no, it's just an <laughs> yeah. observation, and you can take it for what it's worth. Uh, her point was that the Democrats' messaging uh, is not effective because they take a group of people which are Trump supporters and they demonize them. And she said, if you look at Trump, Trump never demonizes a portion of America. He demonizes, you know, individual people to a great degree, I might add, and, and, and beyond what is necessary, in my humble opinion. But, you know, if you think about it, he doesn't go out and say liberals are blank, blank, blank. Or, you know, there's this whole, you know, group of communists that are trying to steal the election. I don't know. When he talks about the socialism and he's Ism. talking about the whole. He didn't okay. say is. Is. Okay. The ist, the ist is the difference. The ist and the isms are, are the difference. Right. And he always goes after their leadership. Whereas, you know, when you had Hillary, she said deplorables, which meant she was talking about Americans. Yeah. And there are, you know, and people that support Trump are necessarily racist, are not necessarily fascists, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was an interesting point, And I wonder if he does that consciously. I think he uh, he has a certain skill set that uh, for marketing, and uh, he has perfected it uh, to the highest position in the country. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Whether you uh, agree with his politics or not, you have to admit that he 
He ran a, a, a smart campaign. He uh, vanquished 17 really good Republicans. I mean, that's, that's what people forget. Career politics, 17. Yeah. That's what people forget when they think that Russia, he needed Russia's help or to, you know, to win. He vanquished 17 pretty good Republicans. Yeah. 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 All right. We ready? Issue number three. Issue number three. One kid does a very brave thing, but what are the consequences about what he did? And uh, let me, let's run this and then I'll let you know what I, I think. Adrian Arola was talking about the racism his three children experienced at Saline area schools when a white man blurted out, then why didn't you stay in Mexico? The man, Tom Bertle, continued to interrupt Arola, prompting authorities to demand he stay quiet. The meeting came one week after teachers and administrators discovered that several Saline high school students posted racial slurs about their black classmates on social media. After Monday's meeting, Matt Bertle, alumnus of Saline High School, called out his father on Facebook. Today my father asked a deliberately racist question at the Saline Area School's diversity and inclusion meeting, Bertle wrote. His views of hate in no way represent my own. He added, I stand in solidarity with the refugees and immigrants of the world. There is no doubt the father's words were from a dark place. Uh, let's get that out of the way. Uh, as the son of an immigrant, I heard similar language directed at my dad when I was young. Uh, those experiences affected my life decisions. I, I say that uh, with great sincerity. They, they've affected the man I am today and uh, how I grew up and how I uh, take certain people. But I'm not sure I agree with the way this kid went about this. And what I mean by that is, and now let's be clear, this, his son was not a child in the school district. His son was a 23-year-old man. Not a yeah. minor. So when you say, uh, sometime uh, when, when I first heard his, his child or the son, I was thinking he was a, a kid in the high school there, but he's 23 years old. He's 23 so. years old. And it, it kind of, it, 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 I understood that he didn't like what his dad said. Now, I don't know about you, Sam, but there were plenty of things my dad said, you know, that social justice warriors would have hung him for a tree for. Um, you know, and there were times my mother and I just kind of both went, oh, you know, and kind of groaned inside. But, you know, my dad was, was raised in 1930s and 40s and, you know, Greece, um, which kind of equates to 1870s and 1880s, you know, in the more developed nations. Um, I wouldn't have done that to my dad. You know, I, I would have I would have looked at people and said I don't agree with it. I don't understand the need for him to be public about this, but it, it goes to a point that people are more willing now to point at somebody and and say you are wrong. You know, you must be corrected, which is not a bad thing until you get to the point where where's the next step? You know, if if he had stood up and and said something about X Y Z. And some of these new terminologies that come along, like mansplaining, uh, like whataboutism, uh, like you know, uh, white privilege. These new terms that I'm, I'm not giving, I'm not going to you know comment on the validity of them. But what I'm going to comment on is this guy was obviously in his 60s, 70s. He's not, you know, he's going to get attacked by saying things that he doesn't even understand, or are kind of violating social norms today. Well, I think that it's a sign of the times with uh, the social media and the opinions of individuals. Individuals uh, put more value 
on, on their opinions and positions. They're able to, they're their own uh, media department. I mean, you could create a movie, you could create YouTube videos, you go. So he took uh, something that he could have went to his dad private and put it out in the public space. I don't know that I would have embarrassed my dad or something like that. I've, you know, most young people have disagreed with their parents as part of your progression. Your parents grew up in a different generation of time and there are things they may have said or done uh, whether it's with other groups or even just different personal views you have, I wouldn't have blasted my dad on a social media platform either. But I think some of the younger kids today, uh, they feel like they want to use that medium. Uh, I actually was glad that he kind of stood up. But again, you could have stood up to your dad in private, but uh, it was a very public display by his father at that uh, public meeting, so I guess he felt he had to do it publicly. I, I would have told my dad, Dad, you can't say that. You can't say that. And I, and if somebody had talked to me, I would have said, yeah, I saw it. You know, I had a talk with Dad. I, I don't think I would have had the, uh, in, you know, insert adjective here, temerity, guts, w- whatever you want, to, you know, to do it in public. And seemingly say there's a rift between my father and I. Mm. It seemed like he wanted... And I don't know his motivation. I don't know his motivation. But you know, one one takeaway from this is I can look at this and and with a bit of reasonableness say he just wanted accolades for correcting his dad. I, I don't think it was just accolades. I think he he felt that individuals that knew him may may have felt he had the same views as his father. So he wanted to make it clear that he didn't endorse or condone that behavior. Uh, I think he was trying to defend himself from the um, the heat that would have rolled downhill. Because, I mean, the entire family would have uh, come under attack. I mean, it starts with the dad, but anybody in that circle. You, Unfortunately, l- l- people would have Let me ask start, you a broader question. Attack. Let me ask you a broader question since you brought this up about the whole family and everything else. Do you think people are too quick? And this is kind of the basis for the show. Do you think people are too quick and too severe in their condemnations on the on the social oh, oh, media it's stuff? A, it's a knee-jerk reaction. And, and people can be so vile and rude and, and over overbearing. Uh, you could disagree with someone, but, but sometimes pe- people can just, they won't let up. I mean, it is... Uh, it's unbelievable. And and no one's their very worst day. Uh, they're not their best day. But, but none of us want to be judged on our worst decision in our lives. Well, we all make mistakes as human beings. And I wouldn't want uh, something I said or did. You know, there, there have been times that I've taken stands on, on certain things. And, and I know that it put a cloud over uh, my children, specifically my son Joseph, who's uh, really like easygoing, non-confrontational, everybody's buddy and friend, uh, just a good guy. You, you can't really uh, shake him. Uh, he never really gets angry or upset. He doesn't, uh, my short fuse, you know, he, he has the longest fuse. I've, I've never seen him just like lose it. So, uh, so sometimes when I've taken stands on certain things, I know that he, he may have had some pushback, but I don't think he would have ever uh, taking a public stance against yeah. me on social media, 
Uh, I remember when when all of the uh, uh, stuff started happening around the national anthem, and we were at a at a function. Uh, the first football game we went to after it started getting all this, he was like, "Dad, I was please don't make us sit," you know. <laughs> and, and I was like, I, I I wasn't even thinking about it, but that's an example, right? That well, he, he felt the social pressure from his friends and everybody around because he he was maybe tenth uh, grade. He wasn't the function we went to. He wasn't playing in the game, so we were in the in the stands, and he just felt like. Man, my dad. Now, if I would have told him to sit, he would have sat. But he really felt a great deal of pressure that I was going to make him do something that he really didn't want to do. Yeah. He didn't want to have to do it. And I told him, my mo- his grandmother, my mother was staff sergeant in the Marines. We stood uh, for the national anthem. Uh, but I've, I've always felt if somebody else didn't want to stand, that was their prerogative. Well, you know, J- Joseph can always say, "Oh, that's a different Collins." You know, <laughs> my, my, my kids are, are are aren't that lucky. You know, if they not go, not that many papooses, not that many papooses out there. Yep. So, okay, that's it for this week. Please like us on Facebook. As we do every week, for the end of the show, we're going to be offering up some story headlines that we find fascinating and we think would interest you. From TheVerge.com. America is bad at voting. It's not just Iowa. The Iowa app failure is a sign of a much bigger problem. You know, the voter turnout and voter uh, uh, voter uh, participation is is pathetic. I mean, the apathy in the population is just pathetic. It's, it's horrible. I like the idea of of, of uh, some sort of tax credit for voting or tax penalty for not voting. Uh, or a, a holiday to, to vote on national yeah. uh, campaigns. Uh, yep. Let people off and, 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 and treat it as a holiday. All right. Yep. From the TexasTribune.com, six Texas oil refineries spewing cancer-causing pollutant above federal thresholds. An environmental nonprofit has released an analysis of first-of-its-kind air monitoring monitoring data that shows benzene levels at 10 U.S. petroleum refineries exceeded limits established in an Obama-era environmental regulation. Six are in Texas. And I'll say it again. It is always my biggest wonderment why Republicans who advance Second Amendment rights, who advance being out in the the outdoors with your kids and teaching them camping and self-reliance are not on board Uh, with stricter environmental regulations. I don't get it. From businessinsider.com, an anti-Putin blogger was found dead in a French hotel and the killing has the hallmarks of a Russian hit squad causing chaos in Europe. Sam, do you remember the uh, cable show about the Russian girl who went around Europe killing uh, political enemies of the, of the regime. No. Uh, people, listeners will understand who I'm talking to, but when I saw that story, that's who I thought, thought of it. It's a great series. I wish I could remember the name. From MotherJones.com, refusing to lie, an innocent man spent 22 extra years in prison to protect the truth. Last week, after 25 years behind bars and 10 more years outside of pre- prison, shadowed by his unjust record, a judge in New York vacated Rafael Ruiz's rape conviction in light of DNA evidence exonerating him. Ruiz had been convicted despite the fact that he did not match the description of the attacker. You know, how many innocent individuals uh, have served time, lives been destroyed, and uh, DNA has come back to prove 
they were innocent. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, there's no dollar amount to give them back their lives. Because nope. many of them uh, were young people in their, in their 20s or 30s, in uh, the, the best time of their life. I mean, the only time you have is what the time you have left. Uh, I have been amazed at how many have been able to forgive uh, society and, and try to make the best of the time they have left. Because I think I would be an angry, angry individual. Amen. I, I, I don't know if I could do it. From theindependent.co.uk, climate crisis. Massive hole opens up under Antarctic glacier, which could lead to a catastrophic sea level rise. The Thwaites Glacier is known as Doomsday. If it collapses, sea surge would submerge major, major cities across the globe. Now, the reason I wanted to put this in here is not because I am uh, some somebody saying the, the the sky is falling, et cetera, et cetera. Even though I like, you know, I'm, a, I'm I consider myself a green Republican. I want people to remember this because if this glacier does what is said and all the cities are still dry, this is gonna make like, what, number 12, 13, 14, when every city in, Amer in the world was supposed to be underwater and hasn't. This is like a, another, what, what do they call that, uh, you know, chicken little thing? Yeah, the, all, all the doomsday uh, theories of, you know, how many times have we heard uh, doomsday and then it, it never comes, or it's not as predicted, all right? From the Vox.com, big tech opponent Bernie Sanders raises more money from big tech employees than anyone else. Sanders, an avowed democratic socialist, has been highly critical of tech companies. Their employees don't seem to mind. Does that boggle your mind? I, I read something that the, uh, the, the trees in the forest kept voting for the uh, axe because his handle was made of wood. <laughs> Good one. Okay. From NBCNews.com, ISIS is regrouping in Iraq, Pentagon report says. An assessment describes militant group as a battle-hardened force attracting an estimated 50 new foreign fighters every month. Kind of interesting. Uh, I don't... It's, we, I hate to say it, but we just got to go in there and keep killing them. I mean, if they're going to go in there and do what they're doing. Because yeah, unfortunate the, uh, that war uh, often uh, we have continuous wars and loss of life and we can't find a way as human beings to work out our differences so that we don't have to continue. Yeah, this. I mean, you got to wonder who who they're attracting at this point. Yeah, to go in there and die. I, I got to get one more in that I found uh, just this morning. And it is completely fascinating. As you know, the Weinstein trial, I believe, is wrapping up, or at least one half the trial wrapped up. Um, it's, and this is something from insider.com. And it, the title of it is The Ultimate Feminist is Defending Harvey Weinstein. And if you read the it's completely fascinating. This woman uh, t takes a view on feminism and is a very successful lawyer who defends accused rapists. And she's lost one case in her career. Completely fascinating article on insider.com. Uh, if you're in, if you, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you should read this. That's it. Enough people go out and meet in the middle. Compromise. Leave our kids a better place, please.